start. Sooners of Oklahoma 12-0 and still looking for respect nationwide. What is going on, Sooner Nation? Thank you all for tuning into another episode of the Barry and Mac Show. As always, myself, Barry, personal trainer, sports performance coach out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, and alongside me, former Sooner wide receiver, 2000 national champ, and we are back. How you doing today, D-Mac? Chilling like a villain, man. Chilling like a villain. Good to see you. We on the video. I think this is a preempt soon to be coming. You guys can't see it. You guys don't know what I'm talking about. But uh, we'll be watching each other on video today. And we're excited about uh, bringing that into the cachet of uh, the Barry and Mac show and and Sooners 360. So let's get it. I love it, man. And uh, not a ton of news in terms of recruiting. That was a... Basically, OU just kind of finishing off the uh, the final touches on what came out to be a, a, essentially a fourth ranked class in the twenty four seven composite. So um, OU, unlike in years past, did all of their work getting to their numbers in that first signing day. And we won't spend a ton of time on that, DMAC, but I do want to get your thoughts just on how OU was able to manage the roster managed the the positions of need specifically they didn't get to this period and still need a d end or, or or still need to chase that extra linebacker it almost felt like they used this signing day to really focus on getting the right preferred walk-ons or walk-ons that they wanted as well as going you know what we got taylor heim he's a great athlete He's local to the state, kind of a similar flavor to what you had on your team when you played. Uh, well, what are your thoughts on what they were able to do there? You just said what I was just getting ready to say. What I really like about what Coach is doing is backfilling the roster, right? We talked about this a little bit offline, but I've heard rumors and rumblings about practice being so uh, such a variance in the starting caliber players versus the twos and the threes and even scout team. That what what I think what Coach V is seeing is we've got a team void of talent across the board, especially in the second and third levels of the program. We need to backfill this. And what better way to do that in an, in an NIL environment? I and, mean, you know, I like to call it nil. So let's just get back to nil in a nil environment <laughs> than to right leverage uh, the borderline G5, maybe a KU, you know, <laughs> in one instance, Oklahoma State kid and say, hey, man, there's a place for you here at Norman, right? Let's get you here. Be competitive. You never know if you bring it and you think you play as well as you think you can. We're more than open to providing you a scholarship. But in the meantime, in between time, right, we've got some money in place. There's some things to, you know. Uh, separate you from the average student and we think the hell out of you. So I think that's a big deal. I also want to, you know, go back to what you said in the sense of it feels really good getting 95% of your class uh, taken care of in the early signing period. And then really attacking the portal, right? We can't, we can't just dis, you know, discount what we were able to pull off and providing quality depth and competition at the end providing some senior leadership in the secondary, right? (laughs) Getting some pieces uh, that are going to really help us at the second level. And then if we finish it off with the the kid from UVA, 
I mean, you talk about having uh, a lot of experienced winning depth throughout the defense, uh, you know, really good season, uh, really good recruiting season, especially considering what we dealt with in the, in the, the, the football season, right? Having a, the first non-winning record in since uh, my freshman year, it was my redshirt freshman year, which was the last year. In fact, we went five and six. So there it is. One went away from a winning season yeah. that year. Yeah. And then this year going six and seven. So good job. I coach um, excited about what they got cooking. A lot of competition, which I think is going to breed more winning, um, breed better culture. Um, and, and it's not going to put us in a position where guys can handcuff the program. There were legitimately guys that could handcuff the program. Uh, by the way, this this manifested through the link years when that com- competition and practice started to wane. So good job, our coach. I, I wanted you, you just reminded me of something I wanted to touch on before we kind of get to the stuff we had on the on the rundown. And we've talked about this a little bit online, but th- there's been some, I don't want to call it uh, upset fans, but definitely a little bit of restlessness in terms of maybe expecting commitments from like your elite five-star defensive lineman that OU is in on, right? Seeing those guys maybe get forecasted to this place or that place. Talk a little bit about what what you know in regards to sort of OU's approach to to recruiting these guys, especially these top-tier guys who OU just recently had a bunch come and visit, right? I don't think that's any secret to anyone. Uh, Talk a little bit about their their approach and then how that might, how you might take that as a player and what that would mean to you. You know, it's interesting to ask that because... I think every program has their own kind of philosophy on how they want to recruit, right? You can, you can pretty much see what Miami is doing. Uh, you know, the, the, uh, I don't know, the, the organs, um, right. Florida's there's, there's different programs, Texas A&M and their approach to how they want to recruit is their approach to how they want to recruit. And in an NIL environment, you can kind of get it how you live. So no hate, right. Uh, OU obviously has a different approach in that, you know, when you're talking to recruits, especially you're talking about the biggest and baddest others, those guys out there, when you when you sound desperate, you feel desperate. And when you feel desperate, you you are not attractive. It's very alike to dating, right? If you're a guy who's cool with dating sixes and sevens, right? And, and by the way, I was not I was not a six and seven guy. Uh, Ask my track record at OU. I was I was, you know, I had a reputation to uphold, <laughs> but uh <laughs> I'm not kidding. Uh, But Brad, if you're a six and seven guy, you can go into the bar or the club or the house party or whatever the whatever the venue is and legitimately right beg a bunch, you know, 20 girls pardons. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and you you know, the numbers say, right. The percentages say, right. The statistics say three or four of them are going to, you know, give you, give you the opportunity. Enough lines in the water. Enough lines (laughs) in the water. There it is. Right. Cast a, cast a wide net. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to, you know, there's one or two dimes in the building, whatever, whatever you call them. Right. You can't just run up both of them and then say, Hey, I'm going to hedge on one. And if the other does, right. that, That, that doesn't work. And I think that same philosophy is the one we deploy at OU. Um, there is an expectation that OU is supposed to have high caliber kids, high caliber recruits. And obviously, you know, Coach V is moving in a direction of high character 
And so when you talk about high caliber and high character, it, it, it's, it shrinks the pool down. Every year, there's four or five guys who are four or five star recruits who we don't even attempt to go after just because, and it's not necessarily that they're a bad dude or whatever, but they are maybe focusing on an aspect of, the, of recruiting that we aren't, that's not a priority for us. And so we let them go their direction and we go ourselves. But here, here's what I do know, B. You, you don't want to fix something that's not broken. And here's what worked last year. Last year, OU banked on its ability to get high caliber, high character uh, players together on campus in a family environment where recruiting was the secondary mission. The first mission was to establish relationships, to, to provide credibility, to show them the infrastructure in the program so they can see things like the sole mission, right? To see, you know, like I said on the pod during the season, the, the biggest thing that I noticed when I was on campus campus was every coach's picture above their office was their entire family. And I had never seen it. And I asked a bunch of the players that were in the building and they said they had never seen it on any recruiting visits. Those are the types wow. of things that says a ton without saying nothing. Like you don't have to say nothing when the, that, that tells everybody, mom and dad know, OU means business about family. When the coaches families are the coaches pictures above their offices. And by the way, they're like, four feet by five feet and they're illuminated. They're like, they're, it's a light. Like there's a light behind it. I mean, you're, wow. you can't miss it. Oh, it's beautiful. It was, it was dope. I mean, it's, it's huge. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not a 18 by 11. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's yeah. four feet wide. I mean, it's a huge photo. Um, and so anyway, getting back to the point, Oh, you said, Hey man, last year we had a losing season and had the number four recruiting class in America. And, and had sewn up half of our class and really the, the foundation of the class by mid-spring, really July is when they solidify things by closing out on Vickers and, and the Florida crew and, and you know the rest of the camp. Um, they're going to duplicate that process. And so I think it creates, Barry, and we can't prove this yet, but it creates a sense of urgency for recruits. Those recruits who came in last weekend they know they were there for a reason. By the way, the rumor was everybody was a dude. Talked to a couple people offline. And they were like, Mac, <laughs> every D lineman was 6'4", <laughs> long, limber, and athletic. And I was just like, oh, man, let's go. So they, yeah. they did a good job of getting the right kids in the building, the right families in the building. And they essentially are putting them in a position where they're going to say, listen, this is how we do it, right? This is our philosophy. We're going to, we're going to kill you with value. We're going to show you how much value we have. We're going to let you know your son is going to be in position to go to the NFL, to collect NIL, right? To have the academic success, to have success on the field, but he's going to leave a comprehensive, right? Fully well-rounded man. And there's a limited amount of spaces. And you're in a room full of other dudes. So it ain't like you the only dude around. And so there's a way to say that without having to sound thirsty, right? And be yeah. parched, needing to drink water. I like the philosophy. It obviously worked. He recruited the last two years better than Link ever recruited, ever, ever, ever. ever. Uh, ever. And obviously on the defensive side of the ball, ball, he recruited up to probably Bob's best classes, even in his early years. So off to a good start. I like the philosophy. And then, of course, listen, man, if you're going to date, why did a seven, bro? Let's go get a 9.7, you know, or get a 9.6 with a line over the top. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> get you one of those. <laughs> I think you're in good shape. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it, it's almost an approach where that they they have an expectation of what a defensive player should look like 
and they are not saying, well, we're at Oklahoma, haven't been good on defense for a while, so we're going to go out and get this because we know we can get that. That That's not the – that is – with the staff like this and a cachet like Venables, if you need to go and get that player, it'll be out there, right? If you need to go yeah. get them in the second recruiting uh, signing day, they will be available. But to compete how OU wants to compete, especially looking at going to the SEC in 24, Brett McMurphy tweeted out today that that is a uh, – I guess there was originally a, a tweet by Pete Thamel. He said it didn't look like it was going to happen till 25. Brett McMurphy followed up and said, no, there's it's going to happen in 24. There is just a, a little bit of negotiating and people trying to do some power plays on the TV side. So that'll be interesting to watch. One of the other things that's going to be interesting to watch, DMAC, coming up is the uh, the old Super Bowl, man. The old game of games. The biggest advertising year of the, uh, of the entire uh, year-long calendar. The biggest advertising day. Um, it's going to be the Chiefs and the Eagles. The, the Chiefs game was... Thoroughly entertaining. The Eagles and your your 49ers, brother, not not so much. What were they down to? Like the sixth quarterback? <laughs> Are we gonna do this right now? We're gonna do this right now. <laughs> we'll do this right now because I didn't right talk now? to you in the week. <laughs> See, here we go. Okay. Let's go. <laughs> Listen, you saw the game, man. You saw his his mark. Here's a fair question. And obviously, if ifs if ifs, right? I want to do the whole ifs ifs. But if Purdy doesn't get hurt, you don't think that game's a barn burner? Probably is. Yeah. 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 On the play, Losing Purdy hurt. was big. On the play, he gets hurt. So, so two things. And by the way, oh my God, you're going to make me sound like a wuss, but whatever. I'm going to do it. <laughs> On the play, he gets hurt. Brandon Ike's wide open, cutting open to the corner. He, if, if it's a great ball, he can catch it and go upfield. We'll, we don't know. We'll never know. But either way, it's a 20-yard gain, and that's exactly where he's going with the ball. And then, of course, on the fourth down on the, on the receding you know, possession, we literally stop him. We stopped him, right? We should have taken advantage of throwing the flag, and really the NFL, have, which have done their quick review, should have done something quicker because they, they came out that they had access to the, to, the, to the angle that we didn't see until after the fact. Yeah. But you know what? All that notwithstanding, whatever. Uh, the deep, listen, they didn't have 300 yards of total offense. They didn't have a 70 yard rusher. Uh, Jalen didn't get loose. He threw for 100 yards. Um, it would have been a game. It would have been a game, and they won the game. They were the better team. They were the healthier team. They have more depth than us. Uh, but shit, I mean, let's not act like our QB didn't get hurt. And then our backup, what, if our backup doesn't fumble the freaking ball, he <laughs> I shouldn't say he deserved. He didn't deserve to get a concussion because, no, especially who who am I, right? The hypocrite to say that. Yeah, <laughs> but God, bro, you dropped the perfect pass. You just got a first down. It's first and ten, mm. and, and it's a minute left. And we're getting the ball back at the half, and it's fourteen to seven. <sighs> don't get me started there. But as you speak about the Super Bowl, I do want to say something, and, and I'm going to segue this if I may. 
Black History Month. They're talking about the black this, you know, and I don't want to diminish being a black man in America who recognizes two black African-American QBs as a big deal. But I've got my own, I've got my own soapbox, man. I got my own thing to talk about in terms of two and one quarterback. And that is colleges, right? So we've got this whole Jalen Hurts thing going on and all these revisionists popping up. So why are we talking black history in my homes and hurts? I want to talk about college history in OU and Bama. Because all these individuals all of a sudden are like, yo, Jalen Hurts is a is a is a whatever they are, elephant. He's a tie, whatever. He's a piece of toilet paper. I don't know what the hell they are, right? Roll tie, whatever. I do. What is it? I don't know what it is. Roll, it's an elephant. Bro, it's, an elef- it's an elephant. I don't know where the elephant came from, but for some reason, there's are, is there a single elephant in, Ale- in the state of Alabama? <laughs> I have no clue. What I do know is I'm listening to all these. Right? Like, what are we doing? They're not even... Anyway, but I'm like, all these people are claiming Jalen Hurts all of a sudden. Like, wait a minute. Mm. Did you guys claim him at halftime in 2017? Did you? Or was it 2018? It was 2018. Did Uh, you guys claim him? Did you claim him when you guys were saying, oh, you're getting damaged goods in Oklahoma. He's a great player. He's a great human being, but he's a terrible player. Were you claiming him then? Were you claiming him? When he came to OU and took us to the playoffs, did you claim him then? Did you claim him when he was a Heisman finalist? Did you claim him then? Yeah. But yet and still, Jalen is such a great character young man. I am not surprised that he's not going to go back and, you know, say some bad things about Bama. I get it. He he graduated there. So, you know how many graduate transfers happen every single year? That's not some weird thing or some misnomer, right? There's super precedence behind guys being drafted, uh, uh, being grad transfers and then going on to their new college. But of course they want to try to claim he's ours. By the way, he'll probably never hear this, but I don't care. I don't care if he don't think he's ours. You know how many, you know, I got, I got four kids. One of my kids, daddy, I don't like you. You still mine, <laughs> whether you like me or not. I'm your <laughs> nah, oh kid, but gosh. I'm actually interested to hear your thoughts. Be like, it it it, ah. it, 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 it blows my mind. Like, let me ask you a question before you tell me your thoughts. I got to ask a question. No. It's, it's okay. kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of rhetorical. If Jalen Hurts doesn't come to OU and he graduates at Alabama, Today, he is what? Practice squad. He's a practice squad quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I think the answer is? What? Not even in the league? GA at at, at University. Wow. Man. I mean, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt that, that a team, if he didn't get drafted, which people forget just how low... Alabama fans were on him when when Tua took over that game and and just and then Saban was in a a situation where he had no choice but to make Tua the starter and I mean if you were watching the players too in college you would say Tua was a better passer of the football I think I said the other day if you told me five six years ago that Jalen Hurts would be playing quarterback on a Super Bowl team before Tua, I would have said you're crazy. I said there's no chance. But when he went to OU, he was able to not obviously working with Lincoln Riley as much as the fans want to want to throw shade in that direction, it was a positive thing for his career, right? It was a positive for Kyler Murray. 
it was a huge positive for Baker Mayfield, right? Even though those guys have not necessarily gone where they've wanted to go in terms of their NFL stature, they've still been great players who were drafted number one. I mean, that is not a, how many of those all time, what is there, 60 of those on the planet? Players who have been taken number one? It's not very many. So if, if he stays at Alabama, you're right, man. It, it would have been a real tough road to get an NFL team to give him a shot. Instead, he goes to OU. He's a finalist and then for the Heisman, and then he's taken in the second round. I mean, with the second Very, round, you're invested. If he is in Bama, he's a multiple-year benched quarterback. He never man. gets the reps to get better. Oklahoma, and by the way, it didn't, it didn't have to be OU. OU just ended up being a phenomenal destination because of a person like Lincoln Riley and teaching some of the things he can teach. But he could have went to right. He could have went to eighty different colleges and been the starter and had and had the ability to get the reps to get better. But the point is, Bama wasn't doing him any favors, and 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 the fans in, in Alabama did not like wish him well. A lot of people wished him a respectful release in the sense of he was a good young man and how he handled it. And, and you know, he never he never did anything to disperse the university, which is a salute to him. It's not a salute to them. That's a salute to him. Yeah. And uh, I just I just think it's funny. Right. There's all this. I think I posted something on Twitter like a week or two ago and it was it was fake. It was totally fake. It was like a quote. And he was like, I'm only Oklahoma. And clearly oh. it, it was with some kind of farce, but I thought it was funny. And somebody was like, he did not say that. Duh. I know he didn't say that. I just think it's funny. All these Alabama people are coming out of the woodworks, right? Because they want to be in the contentions for QBU. Listen, guys, QBU is Oklahoma, the end. And Jackson Arnold is going to step up to the plate in the next year and a half. Oh, wait, Dylan's going to keep the seat warm. We'll see what happens. And we'll talk about offseason here in a little bit. But uh, Jackson's next. I'm just letting everybody know he's next. Yeah, I'm a little biased, but I also know the eyeball test. That young man, uh, he's got what you're looking for, and I think the environment here at OU is going to get him ready to go. Jalen, though, yeah. man, what do you think? I, I, it's just, it's just interesting. Uh, it, it is, it is a. Uh, I think it was necessary. Roughness had had an episode. I think uh, busting with the boys. They were talking about it on that podcast. Just the uh, and there was some sense here. Here was the the general thought process. And where they're coming from is the the personality of Jalen. And I actually don't think this is true. I'm just giving you their take. Their thought is the work ethic, the man he is, the attention to detail, the um, the the ferocity in which he attacks the day and the athlete that he is. They they make that they put that with Alabama. Whereas the, with Oklahoma, they, they treat it as this flashy one-year rental, but the foundation was built with the tide. And all I say to that is go watch Jalen in high school. Listen to him talk when he was in high school. He he has been this person since, I mean, since grade school. The, the Alabama didn't create what you're seeing. That He was that. He picked Alabama because it meshed well with what he was looking for and what his dad was looking for. His dad has always been very involved in the, in the man's life. So Alabama was just the right spot that was winning. I think I remember the first game they played USC and he just 
balled out. I can't remember. I think it was 2016. And he was a great quarterback. Like he wasn't, he wasn't bad, but in that system with what they wanted out of a, a quarterback at the time, I think maybe they thought he could deliver a little better in the passing game. And then I just don't think he had the coaching and the development and the, the system that was needed to, for, for him to showcase like he showcased at Oklahoma. I mean, he had some games in Oklahoma that, you know, the, the Baylor game and the comeback there, what he did in that stretch against like West Virginia and Texas tech, and then winning the big 12 championship. And he had his struggles at OU, but he was put in a position where where he was basically set up to be a, a top three round guy. And once you are in that conversation, teams have investment and they want to see you succeed. So, and that, that's that's my take, man. You want to hear something interesting? Go for three it. Three years in Alabama. Three years, three total years starting in Alabama. Two and a half. Well, three years and a half of a championship season, championship game. Fifty four hundred yards passing. Uh, his best year, 2,700. <clears throat> his best year in TDs, 29, 23. And his uh, total interceptions, nine. In one year in Oklahoma, one year, 3,800 yards passing. Wow. 32 touchdowns. And his passing rating went from 139 to 191. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. You cannot just discredit what the man did and his only opportunity to start at a school like Oklahoma after he was, you know, sequestered to the bench at the school that he helped basically win a natty his fresh. They won a natty his freshman year, didn't they? Six. Did they win the natty? Or, or, or no, what? they. That was the year they sixteen. They win in it. No, they didn't win it in sixteen. What he play in? He played in seventeen. Trying to they remember, lost. he he lost. They lost to Clemson. Yeah, they were they were very close. But yeah, they yeah. did. They got into that game in seventeen, and they were in a situation where they he couldn't throw the ball like they needed them to be able to throw the ball. But part of that too, man, was just on system. Br- yeah. Brent Venables just figured it out, and the the route com- the, you go and look at the route combinations and things that Bama was doing prior to um I guess that would have been Lane Kiffin that year um and then what they did under under Sark was was crazy but then what they started doing when Tua was playing it it was different than what they were getting with Jalen and and 100%. the talent got better at receiver Right. There was a lot of other factors. So, you know, to, to, yeah, Jalen had his struggles, but there was some other pieces uh, to that equation for sure. He's a sooner. I don't care what they say. I don't care. I don't care. He got his degree from me. He got his degree. That's all good. All right. And he won some, some games and he won a natty in 17. I think that's the game to a took over. Um, But in the NFL, Jalen hurts. He's an Oklahoma sooner. And I and I'm gonna claim him. Just like we don't claim Aikman, we don't claim Aikman. That's we right. Claim Jalen that's a we're, we're that claiming. is a great Yeah, that's a great comparison. Yeah. yeah. The the so man, moving uh kind of back to Oklahoma. Uh well, we'll talk a little bit more about the Super Bowl next week, maybe give some picks. Well, actually, before we go there, um, what were your thoughts on how the Kansas City game ended? 
you know, that was a, a, a tough one for a, for a Longhorn uh, on that uh, final play. I know he, the teammates were consoling Osai on the sideline, but then there was a locker room video on the way <laughs> to the tunnel that somebody caught, and it was not, not as pretty. It was not as well. What were your thoughts? If you were in a game like that, situation like that, you got a chance to, in one case, it's a 55, 60 yard field goal. In the other case, you move them closer and NFL kicker 40 to 45 is a chip shot, right? Well, what were, how would you deal with a teammate like that? Is that something you just completely stay away from? Does, does D Mac let his mind be heard? Well, what's the deal there? Oh, tough. Ooh, tough. Um, so it's 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 loaded. It's convoluted. Number one, the rest the rest are involved. The rest wanted that game to be over. And, and if you watch it, he. I mean, by the letter of the law, he does enough. But 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 I don't know if you noticed, but Mahomes uh, gave himself yeah. up to. He put he put a little extra he on. Flopped a little, a little bit. Yeah. yeah, he flopped. Right. Okay, that's number one. Number two is, I mean, he's a defensive guy trying to make a play in a time where there's not much time left. And let's call a spade a spade. The defensive line let him break and tank. He should have had to step up in the pocket. And if he was going to scramble, put himself in a position where he was going to have to give himself up. And I don't think they had any timeouts left. Right. So so you talk about the D line. Then you got to talk about the scheme, right? The D coordinator should have, they should have blitzed five and invited him to step up into the pocket or, or make him throw the ball quickly. But retrospect is all of that. Um, yeah, if he's my teammate, we're having a conversation. That That's for all the marbles. Not to say that I'm going to be disrespectful, not to say that I'm going to blame him, not to say that I am going to, um, you know, say something negative per se. But man, I mean, let's just call it, like you said, that one play changed the, the the trajectory of the Super Bowl. Yeah. And I, you know, you know, I'm thankful I've never lost a game like that before. I've never lost. Like I've gotten, we've gotten beat. You know what I'm saying? I guess, I guess yeah. the Independence Bowl, maybe in the Independence Bowl, it's something. I mean, I guess it kind of happened, but who counts that? That's kind of like the toilet bowl. But in 99, the last game before 2000, we come all the way back against Ole Miss and take the lead. And then they call a bogus call on us on like a pass interference. And then they get like six more yards and they kick a 47 yard field goal to win the game. So kind of, I guess, kind of similar in some regard, but like, dude, yeah. we're ready to go home. And then, you know what I'm saying? That game wasn't for any more. It was cold uh, too, man. It was cold <laughs> up there. Those refs wanted to get off that field, man. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. So whatever. I mean, but I just feel bad for the kid. Obviously he's a longhorn too, 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 too sad. So bad for him. I will say this sounds to me like Mixon's going to get off on that deal and you know i'm glad you know not a bunch of people making irrational judgments before figuring all the details we still don't know all the details but it looks like more information is coming out and some of the stuff we saw yesterday in the media is going to subside yeah i don't want to i'll save my soapbox for another time man but the amount of i'll just say this the second that something comes out on someone where it is like indicted or suspected and the mob that just goes after people i'm like this is america and the justice system is innocent until proven and if he's convicted jury of his peers by all means if if he pleads of course yeah i guess you can count that if, if you will but 
man, when stuff comes out, we've seen, I know things happen, but we have seen far too many scenarios in the past couple years, right? A scenario with, with a Sooner here recently where what was said to have happened didn't happen. That, that there's a process to which people, and I think that process is good, right? Of just maybe giving the guy time away, let him deal with it. And then the way Venables handled that, I thought was fantastic. But just my thoughts on that. But man, moving to a, a little bit of news here. Uh, something newsworthy. Big 12 after, I mean, really a, a, a long stretch of people waiting for it, finally dropped the 2023 schedule. Thank you all for tuning in to part one of the Barry and Mac show. Part two is available right now wherever you listen to podcasts. In the meantime, make sure you go follow us on Twitter at Barry and Mac SHW and on Instagram at The Barry and Mac Show. Damien can be found at D underscore Mac 13. You can find me at BWISE Fitness at letter B W I S E Fitness. And make sure to go sign up at Sooners360.com.